Good morning. How you doing? It is a beautiful weekend in San Diego, California, isn't it? And we get to live here practically for free. It's amazing. I'm excited about Saturate San Diego. Really want to encourage everyone to jump in with us April 13th. And it's basically like an in-town mission trip, except it's so much easier and like three hours. But really all the churches that we partner with around the city are going to be involved in it. And our little portion for all peoples is to get the Jesus film and an invitation to our church in 20,000 homes. So, uh, but it actually will be really easy. We're just hanging it right on the, on the, um, the doors and you're going to have a great time doing it. And I just believe as we sow the gospel broadly that God's going to do great stuff with that. Amen. So, and the Bible says that there's a blessing commanded when, when the brothers and sisters dwell in unity. And so with all the churches coming together to reach our city, I'm very expectant. We're jumping into a new series about the gospel of Mark, and here's the vision for it. I love Jesus. I I love watching him walking down the dirt roads, getting down, drawing the children near, placing his hands on the sick and them being made well. I love seeing him give dignity to the poor, forgiving, the sinner. I love how strong he is, and then I love how compassionate he is. And I believe as you see him for who he really is, you are amazed. And as you're amazed, you can't help but fall in love. And as you fall in love with him, you want to be more like him. And I believe that's the best thing that can happen in your whole life. So get ready. I encourage you to jump in, open the Bibles yourselves, take notes. And for the next, uh, the rest of the spring, really, I want to encourage you to be studying the book of Mark With me. And so let's jump in to the first verse of the first of the first chapter of Mark. It says this the beginning of the good news. Say good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Any news readers out there? Who reads the news regularly? That's awesome. About a third of this room, the rest just kind of live in oblivion. That's really great. I had this experience that just happened basically every day growing up. I would come down, mosey down the stairs. I lived in a three-generation home, so I lived in my, my grandmother's home, and I would come downstairs often late because I was a teenager, and every day would repeat itself. She'd be sitting at the head of the table, on the kitchen table, and she would greet me with the warmest smile. She was always so happy, so joyful, so loving, but one thing In her life, it was a habit that didn't make sense to me because every day she would start with the news. And I don't know about you, but I've actually found the best way to get depressed is to start your day by reading the news. Like every day, there's some horrible thing that's gone wrong, some violence, there's some awful, awful family crisis. There's some crazy hate between political groups. I don't care what political group you're in. If you look at the news, you're going to be discouraged. There's always some star that's fallen. um, I don't understand how my grandmother could be so happy. For me, starting the day 
by reading the news would be similar to me taking my coffee cup and instead of going to the French press where the beans have just been ground and the filtered waters dripping into a nice frothy cup of coffee, it'd be like taking your mug and dipping it into the toilet and taking a big swig. That's what the news, like starting the day, that's how I feel. And so I love when the Bible says the beginning of the good news, because we're filled with bad news. You know, I, I want you to remember this the rest of your life, because if you're like me, you don't wake up every day in a Disney movie. Every day I wake up, the birds aren't chirping perfectly, and the sun is not perfectly on my face, and I just bounce out of bed saying, hello world. Sometimes I wake up a little down. And so I actually need to get some good news to start my day. And here it is in the book of Mark, great place to start, the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. Say Jesus. Jesus. Oh, don't you love that name? Jesus, the Messiah. Now, here, here's the thing. The news actually is always looking for messiahs. Have you ever noticed that? We're always trying to make people into messiahs. The definition of messiah is actually a leader or a savior of a particular group of people. And so we always are trying to make people that leader, that perfect person, that messiah. I think about the sport world. We have messianic names for our sports hero, heroes, right? King James. It's LeBron James, Right? I think about when I was a kid, we had Magic Johnson. He wasn't even human. He was Magic Johnson. We have the greatest of all time, the GOAT, Tom Brady, right? The Messiah of football. It's crazy how, how we, we make people into messiahs. We have messiahs of technology. I mean, they made Steve Jobs like a, a, a god. We had, I remember in the elections with Obama, and they had his face and the word hope, and, and, and what happens is we constantly want to put our faith, put our trust in someone, but they constantly let us down. I had that happen this week. Please don't judge me, but I, um, one of my little kind of sinless pleasures that my wife and I enjoy is occasionally we'll watch a Hallmark movie. And it's just like love as it should be. It's sweet. It's pure, right? They dress modestly. They're like the, the apex of the movie. The steamiest thing that happens is like a little kiss, right? And it's always at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? It's just, right, life as it should be. And, and this week, I was horrified that one of like the Hallmark actresses went to jail. Like that's like a Disney princess robbing a bank. What's this world coming to? And so that's what I love about the scriptures. It says Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Because Jesus wasn't just a human. Oh, yes, Jesus was fully man, but he's fully God. And so you know he'll never let you down. He's the one piece of good news that will never turn bad. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And I want to give you a quick overview as we jump into the book of Mark, because it's all about Jesus. So I, I've been so excited to study the book of Mark, and, and I hope you're going to jump in with me. But I, I want to break it down for you. The book of Mark is written by a guy named Mark. And um, his actually name was John Mark, and he was a traveling companion of Paul. And the church historian Papias or Papias wrote that 
the book of Mark is actually eyewitness accounts from Peter. And then John Mark sat and wrote those down and, and, and basically wrote them like a newspaper. I, I love Mark because it's just so fast. It's 16 chapters. It's all facts. And so let me just help you understand it real quick. Take notes on this. This is going to help you as you read it over this next month with me. So Mark is like a three-part drama. I love dramas. And so here are the different parts. Part one of Mark is from chapter 1 to 8, okay? And so I want you to understand what's happening. It has a specific setting, and that setting is Galilee. All right? Part 2, we're going to skip for a second. Part 3, here's the setting, okay? So part 3 is going to be chapters uh, really 11 through 16, and the setting for this, now, Galilee, this is interesting because Galilee is not an important place. It's not like New York City. It's like Podunkville. But part three is, is going to be, it's going to be in Jerusalem. That's like the, the epicenter of spiritual life. It's where the temple is. It's also where the political life is. And, and, and part two it's going to be from about 8B to chapter 10. It's going to happen on the way. Can I tell you that a lot of our life happens on the way? Now, here's what's happening. In part one, Jesus comes on the scene. And so the big question is, who is Jesus? All right? The, the second part of the book, on the way, is really going to be the disciples wondering, is Jesus the Messiah? So they are wondering. And then part three is everyone experiencing the very unique way that Jesus is the Messiah. So this is what's going to happen in this book. Here we go. As it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now let me tell you, one of the themes of this book is that Jesus is good news. But God's good news is different than we think. Jesus is good news, but God's good news is different than we think. So it starts with this amazing thing. It's really amazing for us as Christians because the New Testament's quoting the Old Testament. So there's this like fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. So the, the book of Mark starts with these prophecies from Malachi 3 and then from Isaiah 40. That's where this, this preparing the way comes from. So I want to look at those really quick in depth. Maybe you've never looked at this. Malachi 3 says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Okay, so we saw that in Mark 1, but listen to this. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launder's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings and righteousness. So it speaks of a messenger who's going to come and prepare the way, and then the Lord's going to come, and man, no one could endure, and you can't even stand. Now, look at the Isaiah 40. 
a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So, they're reading this, and I'm sure they're thinking, oh, this is going to be like the Romans who come in and make these massive Roman roads through the wilderness. They graze down the, the hills. They lift up the valleys. I bet this, this messenger is going to come, and he's going to have a massive army, a construction group that just makes this massive thing. This is going to be power incarnate when he comes. I don't know about you. I'm 42 years old, and I still get duped all the time. I, I, I always think it's going to happen different. Like, if the messenger I'm going to believe is the person. Like, who's more believable? I always more believe the person who comes, and they're polished, and they're dressed nicely, and they're well-educated, and they speak eloquently. But that's not always God's way. Because watch this. Watch the messenger who comes. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. So we're expecting this nice, eloquent, you know, highly regarded, polished messenger. And instead, John shows up looking like Alaskan bush people, mountain man, swamp people, no sleeve wearing, crazy hair, right? And and he's eating like the craziest hippie diet ever of crickets and and honey. And and you're like, what in the world? And, and, And try to find baptism beforehand in scripture so it's very uncommon so here you got burly bush guy holding people underwater and this is the way that God's coming now I mean it's not we're about to have baptisms in two weeks and we're gonna have our nice pastors right and and some of our nice life group leaders and your friends who were like gently putting you underwater this guy's scary he hadn't showered he's got cricket legs in his teeth and then, what's his message? Repent! Right? John, not the way to become the speaker of the house, bro. Like, uh, and this was his message after me, who come, will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Like, what are you talking about, John? And then this is, this is what's happening. And then about the Messiah, it says, who can endure his coming? Who can stand when he appears? And I'm sure the Israelites had no problem reading this and then going, okay, the last time the Lord was really manifesting itself on earth, it was on Mount Sinai, and there was a pillar of fire, and the mountain, a mountain was shaking, and there's thunder and lightning, like power, who can endure? So they're thinking like, so when the Lord comes and he stands in his temple, like the scripture says, no one can endure it, no one can stand. And all of a sudden, the Lord comes and he's like a five foot seven guy who's a 
carpenter from Nazareth. Like, not New York, not L.A., not San Diego, barely El Centro. (laughs) Not wearing, like, designer robes, like, looking like he came from the runway. Like, just coming in from the backwoods. The Bible says of Jesus that he had nothing in in his appearance to desire him. Like, that's my only problem with some Jesus videos is he's like, he's like Fabio Jesus. Or he's like, you know, you know, and he looks like the rock, you know, he's like, and and no, that's not. So no wonder people have a hard time believing that Jesus is the Messiah because he shows up, no security detail, no administrative assistance, right? No, no press secretary, no fan by himself, just Little little Jewish carpenter dude just walks in on the scene who goes to Bushman, who's holding people underwater, and says, baptize me. Like, guys, this is good news, but it's just not how we see good news. Like, God's ways are not our ways. Like, can we just, like, slap ourselves and say God's ways are not our ways? Because I keep, I keep, well, here, here. This is this is what I want to show you. Okay, so the the whole Gospel of Mark, we're going to see these three competing paths, or I'd call them three competing kingdoms. So the first one is this: the kingdom of this world. Okay, and so everyone starts on this. This kingdom, and and here's the desires of the kingdom of the world. It's things that make you feel good. So here, here's actually how they flesh out. Now we can we can make these look prettier, but this is really how they flesh out: money, sex, and power. Now you might not crave cold hard cash, but there's this stuff. And we're like, if I could just have that stuff. I can't tell you how many times I've just seen like a pair of shoes. And I'm like, until I have that pair of shoes, I'm not going to be fully happy. I just need that pair of shoes. I don't know what it is for you. For some reason, shoes at times get me. But what, what is it for you? That's it? And, and, and so, I mean, everyone wants this, but sometimes it's not so much someone else. It's like, hey, am I sexy? You know, and if I was just sexy, and, and it's money, it's sex, and it's power. And, and you might be like, well, I'm not like, I don't have to rule everybody, but you want, you want power in, in, in the thing you care about. And so this is the kingdom of this world. Now there's another kingdom that, that, that's, you know, always judging this kingdom, and it's called this kingdom, the kingdom of religion. And so people can swing into this one. And the desires of this is also to feel good about yourself, but you do it through self-righteousness. I am okay because I follow the rules. And then you don't follow the rules perfectly, but then you look at other people and judge them you go, but I follow the rules better than you, right? And then you see some other people that you think follow the rules better than you, and you're like, and then you envy them. So, so the kingdom of religion is always leading to judgment and envy. And, and here's the other thing. You want importance. It's another way that you can make yourself feel good about yourself. And then the other thing is position, 
right? The kingdom of religion, we can often be, you know, I'll never forget when I got asked to be a life group intern. I was like, what's up now? (laughs) I remember being in my life group and also like the last week I was just in life group with everyone else. But now this week I'm like, hello, my sheep. I am the intern. You need to listen to me, you know? And then I look at the leader and I'm like, someday I'll have your position. (laughs) Like judgment, envy, right? Am I the only person that deals with this? I, I, you know, I don't have to work to judge people. Like I'll just catch myself. Like someone will walk by and I'll be like, I can't believe it. And I'm like, what? And then I judge myself. I'm like, how can I be so judgmental? Right, do you do that? Please say yes, please. So this is the, the kingdom of religion, but in the middle, in the middle, I love this. Jesus comes and he says, Mark 1.15, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Can I tell you that there's a better kingdom than the kingdom of this world? Can I tell you there's a better kingdom than the kingdom of religion? It's called the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus appeared was to teach us that we can have relationship with God. It's all about friendship with him. And here, the currency of the kingdom of God is faith. It's hope. And it's love. But here's the bad news. The only way into the kingdom of God is to repent. You repent from the kingdom of this world. You repent from the kingdom of religion. And you have faith. You believe. You believe. You believe in him. And he changes everything. You see, the kingdom of this world, it's all about what you can get and what you can have. The kingdom of religion, once again, is what you can be and what you can do. But the kingdom of God is putting your faith in someone else. The kingdom of God is putting your faith in what someone else has already done for you. You see, in the kingdom of this world, we're only happy when we have more money, more sex, more power, right? But the kingdom of God says this, there's hope despite your circumstances. And there's always the hope of heaven. The kingdom of this world says, I've got to have, 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 get, get, get. And the kingdom of God transforms you into one who gives, gives, gives. So that sounds all sweet and so happy, but let me, let me just tell you this. If, if you're just wanting to come to the kingdom of God because it's just gonna, just gonna be awesome, it's just gonna be the best for you, uh, you, gotta, you gotta read this. It says this, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So here is Jesus's best man, and he comes out on the scene, and he's following Jesus wholeheartedly. And what happens is he gets a million followers on Instagram. And all of a sudden, John's baptizing YouTube video just blows up. He monetizes it, has his own surf brand, right? <laughs> Becomes so popular, everyone wants to be with him. No. Instead, John, following Jesus wholeheartedly, gets put in prison. I once heard someone say, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. 
Not for John. Have you, not for the disciples. Have you read this book? Like whoever said that was a great salesman. But it's just not true, right? But Jesus is the fullness of love. Jesus is the fullness of joy. His good news is just a little different than what we think. So uh, John, the, the, the thing about the book of Mark is what we're going to see is the kingdom of God is actually in opposition to the kingdom of this world. Right? If I start following Jesus, everyone's going to love me. Everyone's going to like my post. Right? A- everything I say on Facebook, people are going to say yes and amen. Um, maybe not. Right? Because it's in opposition to the kingdom of this world. A- a- and then, you know, it's, it's also in opposition to the kingdom of religion. And so that's what we see as Jesus comes on the scene and John comes on the scene and John all of a sudden is like confronting Herod and saying, hey, you can't have the woman that you're with because that's actually your brother's wife. And so you can't do that. And he's speaking the truth. And then he looks at the Pharisees and and he says this really kind thing. He's like, you brood of vipers, right? Um, The kingdom of God is different. Now watch Jesus, watch Jesus. Um, they went to Capernaum. This is verse 21 through 28. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed. If you've got this opened up on your Bible, highlight that word amazed. You're going to see it over and over again at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teacher's of the law. I'll never forget the first time I heard my pastor, the guy who discipled me, his name was Jimmy. I heard him speaking, and I had been in church since the time I was born, literally, like every Sunday my whole life, and I'm thankful for that, but the first time I heard Jimmy, it felt, it actually felt like something was hitting my chest. There was an authority And he didn't just talk about religion. He talked about how God was moving on earth. I'll never forget him telling a story about Bulgaria and how miracles were happening and a church was birthed. And I'm just going like, what is this? I don't know if you've heard someone teach with authority, but it's just different. And then he goes on to say this, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Okay, that's a good day in church. (laughs) No, seriously, how many churches do you know that that would be okay to happen in? I, I mean... Like, can I just tell you, it's okay to happen here. I want Jesus to actually be able to do his work in our church. And it's awesome when someone who's like tyrannized by the devil gets set free. So feel free to get set free here. And, and, and Jesus, you can do, like, I mean, this is not, uh, this is sloppy. This is messy. Someone convulsing on the floor and going, Oh, sweet Jesus, Hallmark card Jesus, shepherd with blonde flowing hair Jesus. No, this is like shrieking, convulsing, yelling at a demon Jesus. 
right? Good news is different than, than, than we think, but it's so good. The people, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, who is this? You know, maybe there's a lack of amazement today in the body of Christ because we're not letting Jesus be Jesus. The people were amazed. When's the last time you were amazed at Jesus? You know, when you see Jesus for who he really is, you're amazed. And let me just tell you this, uh, sweetly. Um, If you haven't been amazed in a while, maybe it's because you need to repent. We need to repent from chasing after the kingdom of this world because when we put on those glasses, it clouds us from seeing Jesus. And can I just tell you, I find myself continually, I mean, I, I do it in, in, more, in more acceptable ways, but I find myself being drifting this way. And then on other days, I hate to admit, but I find myself drifting in this. Age. Well, at least I'm better than Johnny. Well, at least I'm, right? Uh, and, and you know what we need to do? We need to repent and we need to believe. And we need to fall in love with Jesus again. And when we see him for who he really is, we will be amazed. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me. How do you walk into the kingdom of God? It's by following a person. It's by following a person. Jesus is saying today, will you come and follow me? Not will you be more religious, right? Not will you just pray a a prayer and then walk back out, but we actually follow a person named Jesus. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. I'm going to change you from just wanting to get, 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 and, and, and feel better and better and better about yourself and doing stuff to make yourself, and then will you actually just follow me, and I'm going to change you to give. I'm going to change you to, to actually caring about other people. I'm going to actually free you from the tyranny of yourself because I'm going to actually give you a mission because you're going to be so filled up with my love that it's just going to flow out. What I find is that when I'm filled up on the love of Jesus, I just have compassion on people. And when I'm really in love, I, I talk about what I'm in love with. Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here's what I want you to see to end this message. Here's what I want you to see, that Jesus wasn't just calling James and John out of these lives of decadent sin. He didn't call them out of the brothel, out of the gambling den, out of the mafia. No, they were just dudes out in the lake throwing some nets, just doing their job. You know why? Because Jesus is asking for everything. He's asking for your whole life. It's not just, I'm going to live a good life and add in a little Jesus. I'm just going to sprinkle myself with a little Jesus salt. No, Jesus is asking for the whole meal. So they actually left their nets. They left their good dad and said, we're in with you. Let me ask you this. Are you following Jesus? Like, is he, see, you're all in all. 
Not like, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a school teacher who has Jesus. No, are you a follower of Jesus that happens to be a school teacher? Uh, not, 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 I'm a businessman that follows Jesus, right? I'm an artist, I'm a dancer, I'm a politician. No, it's like I drop everything. I'm not telling you you're gonna have to walk away from your job today, but I'm saying, are you willing? Like, are you willing to leave everything to follow Jesus? And when we start living that way, when we start following him, then we truly meet him. We're on the way with him, and then we're amazed. And that's when he gives us life abundantly, life to the full. Jesus wants to exceed your expectations, but it's all about giving him everything because he deserves it. Let's stand up.